Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Phantom Troublemaker, and I am going to bend your ear about my Patreon one more time. Go now to supportphantom.com and check out the rewards there. Uh, I want you to know, if you are new to the show, and maybe you are, I don't know, uh, every single week on Friday, I put up an episode of this podcast where I talk to acquaintances, names from the world of nerdery and pop culture, and various other entities about pop culture stuff. Uh, we have an ongoing feature that's recently started called Needless Commentaries, where we sit down and a group of us will provide a fan commentary for a movie, and it's a lot of fun. People seem to be liking it. And then the rest of the shows are just basically whatever I feel like talking about. And it costs money. Everything costs money, right? Hosting the podcast costs money. I also run a site called NeedlessThingsSite.com where five days a week myself and other pop culture commentators provide content free of charge to you, the public. That also costs money, especially with the number of pictures that we post, because I do toy reviews. Now, granted, I don't do as many as I used to do, but hosting images costs money. Hosting a website costs money, and uh, not to mention the hours and hours and hours that I put into all of this every single week. It is literally a second full-time job, just one that doesn't pay. And then on top of the podcast and the website, uh, I try to get out as often as I can, which is not as often as I'd like, because I do have a day job, I do have a family, and get on the microphone and host events and do entertaining things for people. And in general, those things do not pay either. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Phantom, if you're not getting paid for these things, why do you keep doing them? I keep doing them, one, because I love them. Uh, I love doing the podcast uh, that you're listening to right now. I love running the website. Uh, I don't love it in the same way that I used to. It used to be just me providing content five days or more a week. It was that way for about six years, and it got to the point where I just couldn't maintain that anymore. And also around that time, I started the podcast, and I find that I enjoy that a whole lot more and find it a lot more interactive and fulfilling. But I do still like having the website. I love that there are people that write for the site and enjoy doing so. We have some fantastic writers over there. Uh, I do hope you check out NeedlessThingsSite.com and see what we've got going on. We like to do theme months from time to time. We just got out of 31 Days of Halloween. And now in November, it'll be back to whatever we all feel like writing about is what we're going to write about. And then in December, we won't necessarily be focusing on the holidays, but there will be themes that run through some of the posts. Uh, so, you know, we, we've, I run a relatively tight ship for a free uh, website that nobody, including me, gets paid to work on because all of the expenses or, or any, any revenue generated goes towards uh, the hosting fees and whatever else. So... There's what's happening. Now, 
I want you to go to supportphantom.com and take a look at ways that you can support all of these things if you enjoy them. Now, I understand that signing up for a new thing like Patreon is a pain in the ass. I get that. Uh, But it's not too hard to sign up. They do not spam you with emails. All you will get is notifications of when I post things on Patreon. Uh, And you will know that because of the rewards reward levels that I have. And you can check that out and see what you're interested in. But $1 a month. And this is all that I ask. If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy NeedlessThingsSite.com, sign up for $1 a month. I know you're thinking to yourself, a dollar. What difference can that even make? It's not worth my time to sign up for this new thing. It's not worth his time for me to just give a dollar. You are wrong. $1 a month could make all the difference because if every person that downloaded this podcast every single week donated a dollar a month, I could quit my day job. Now, granted, I would have to get a different job, but it would be one that I might enjoy, something else that I could do. But $1 a month from each and every person that listens to this show, that downloads this show every week, and I would not have to stay at the job that I'm at right now. That's how much difference you could make in my life. And if I'm not at this job, I can devote more time, more creativity, more energy to doing this. Which leads me to the other reason of why I do this and don't get paid for it, is that someday, obviously, I hope this may pay off in some way, and I might be able to quit the day job that I don't particularly enjoy, that prevents me from following this dream to the fullest of my abilities. So think about that. When you look at that $1 a month pledge and you think to yourself, what's a dollar going to do? A dollar could let me hire someone to keep the dogs quiet while I'm recording. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. Uh, But I'm telling you right now, a dollar would make a huge difference. If that's all you can give, that's fantastic. And when you pledge a dollar a month... You will have access to the patron-only feed. This is reviews, commentary, and pictures that I will not post on other social media or on Needless Things. It is exclusively for Patreon. You won't get it anywhere else. Now, keep in mind, you're supporting the website. You're supporting the podcast. I'm not posting on Patreon every single day because, my gosh, I'm not trying to have a third job. But you guys will get stuff that nobody else gets for $1 a month. Now, there are other levels as well, and I'm going to tell you about them now because I've spent seven minutes on this thing, and apparently this is our intro. (laughs) Uh, $5 or more per month. You get access to the patron-only feed, and you also get access to a special more-than-monthly podcast that nobody else has access to. It is only available to my patrons. Uh, I had been doing it about twice a month. October, I fell off a little bit because November, uh, November, September and October are my busy season. And they're just, man, it's time is tough when you're doing four podcasts and you've got all the 31 days of Halloween posts to keep up with and then all the family, blah, blah, blah. You, you get the deal by now. I'm busy. 
Uh, and I do my best to keep up with Patreon and to make it, you guys feel like you're getting your money's worth. Uh, and sometimes you get more money's worth than others. But the bottom line is, like I said, remember, you're supporting the podcast and the website uh, and, and all of the other stuff that I do without getting paid for. I like to think of the Patreon rewards as kind of a little cherry on top for you guys. And if you pledge $5 or more per month, you get an audio cherry. I don't know that I like the sound of that, but you get the idea. If you pledge $10 or more per month, you get access to the feed, access to the podcast, and your choice of, of a producer credit or an ad on the site, or just your name on the site, whatever you want. Uh, you will When you sign up, drop me a line saying, hey, I want this, and we'll put your name up on needlessthingssite.com, and it will remain there for as long as you are a patron, uh, or you get a producer credit. Uh, which is, will just be part of the show. $30 or more per month, you get all of that, and you also get, once a month, a Needless Things mystery box packed with stuff from the Phantom Zone. I have got piles and piles of toys, tchotchkes, memorabilia, trading cards, all kinds of stuff uh, just laying around. And I would love to send it to you, but I understand that $30 a month is a big obligation. That's more just kind of a treat thing. And here's the deal. you can If you want to get a mystery box, you can sign up for $30 one month. You'll get charged at the beginning of the month. Uh, like today, I'm recording this on November 1st. Uh, Halloween's done. I hope everybody had a great time. I'm recording this on November 1st, and I am sending out rewards today. So you get charged on the first of every month, but you have access. Anybody that signed up in October had access to everything. But then on the first, the physical rewards or, you know, your credit or your ad or whatever, once you've paid a full month, you'll get that specific reward. So any mystery boxes would go out within the next week. I, I can't get right on it on the first day of the month all the time because of the day job. But within that first week, you will be sent your mystery box. You get your mystery box and you say, okay, I got my mystery box. Cool. Now I'm going to go reduce my pledge to $10, $5, $1. Obviously, I'd rather you didn't. But if you just want to get the one mystery box, just sign up for the one month. Once you receive your mystery box, you can go reduce your reward to whatever level you're comfortable with. So go to supportphantom.com and let me know that you appreciate what I'm doing. Uh, I, I love doing it, but man, it's nice to have, like I said, a dollar a month means the world. If enough people give a dollar a month, then I'm good to go. So if you can't sign up for Patreon, if you can't obligate to any more money going out a month, and believe me, I understand that. I don't support a whole ton of stuff myself because I'm trying to support my own gigs, but if you just literally don't have any more money that you can send out anywhere else, please share this. Tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your friends about NeedlessThingsSite.com. Tell your friends about SupportPhantom.com. Spread the word about Phantom Troublemaker. Uh, that also extremely helpful. Word of mouth is so important to what I do. And not everybody likes me, and that's fine. I'm not asking everybody to like me. I'm just asking everybody to give me money. I'm just kidding. Uh, speaking of money, all right, I hope you guys enjoyed the fake ads, uh, from last month. 
I hope you all understood that they're fake ads, but you're all smart people. I felt pretty confident I didn't need to put any disclaimers on those things. Uh, ads haven't really worked out too well, and I will admit that I think a lot of it is that the the couple of things I've done just aren't necessarily products that you guys were interested in. So what I'm going to do instead is another way that you can support the show is to go to needlessthingssite.com and there's a big giant Amazon box on the right side of the page in the sidebar. If you need to buy something from Amazon, click on that and then navigate to wherever you're going through there and I'll get a kickback off of that. Uh, and so far, out of all of the venues of revenue, uh, Patreon is the best. Supportphantom.com is the best because money comes directly to me. Yes, Patreon takes their cut. It's why they do what they do. Uh, but so far, Patreon is the most effective way, but it requires more of a commitment from you guys. I understand that. Signing up for anything monthly is, is you know, uh, do I really want to do this? But if you just want to do a one-time, I can help Phantom out, go to that big Amazon block, click on it, and then once you're in Amazon, go wherever you need to go, buy whatever you need to buy, and I get a little bit of whatever it is you buy. And then there's also the Needless Things Amazon store uh, where I recommend products. And if you just uh, Google Needless Things Amazon store, boom, you will find it. Uh, I need to update it. Uh, it was formerly just stuff that I had reviewed or kind of put over in some way. But I, I want to go in and add just things that I'm interested in. But like I said, go to the big Amazon box, click on it. Once you're in Amazon, go wherever you want. And whatever you buy, I'll get a little cut. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it gives needless things a little bit of a kickback. And every once in a while, I can get a check from Amazon that helps cover my expenses. So there you go. There are ways to support Phantom Troublemaker, the Needless Things Podcast, and NeedlessThingsSite.com. Some of them are easier than others. Some of them, like Amazon, don't even cost you any money. So please get out there, help me out, spread the word, do whatever you can do. Thank you, guys. Uh, you will never know how much those of you that are supporting uh, well, you will know, because I get on Patreon and I tell you, that's how you know how much I appreciate it. Uh, and also, I want to put over our good friends, the Mystery Men. They provide all the interstitial music for the show. Go to themysterymenofsurf.com or just Google the Mystery Men question mark, uh, or rather not Google, go to Facebook and uh, put in the Mystery Men with a question mark and go like their page because they make some fantastic music. I really love those guys. I really love their music. Like, it's legit in my playlist in the car. I listen to it on a regular basis uh, beyond just putting it into the show for you guys to hear. And of course, go to lesexoflex.com to check out our, our my family. Not, I can't even say my friends. My family, Lesexoflex, who provides the opening music for the show, a song called Procrastibate, which is more real than you ever need to know about. So, hey, I just talked for 15 minutes and you don't even know what the show is about. Today's show is the last of our Dragon Con panels. I told you I had to put it off because October was upon us and it was time to get into 31 days of Halloween. And now it's time to get into 30 days of thankfulness. I'm just kidding. We're not doing that. Uh, but I will use that joke every single year. 
Today's panel from DragonCon is the Big Trouble in Little China 30th Anniversary Panel. It's absolutely fantastic. You're going to enjoy it. But first, here are the Mystery Men. So thank you all for coming. Please, as I said, rate it in the app. And we're here to talk about 30 years of... That makes me so... Say the line, 30 years of... Big Big Trouble in Little China. China. (laughs) (sighs) So I've said who I am. You, sir, are. Uh, and yes, thank you. Phantom Troublemaker uh, from NamelessThingsSite.com, host of the Nameless Things podcast, and the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Darren Bush. I do not yet have a podcast, but you guys have inspired me to do something podcasty. I'm a local science fiction and fantasy author. I also am a content creator for a bunch of local Atlanta science fiction and fantasy conventions. It's not that hard, trust me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've seen the people who do it. <laughs> oh, oh. Not this one you haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that pleasant segue into uh, uh, my name is Jason Delatore. I am the co-host of Transmissions from Atlantis podcast on the ESO Network with my lovely wife, Rita. And we are also independent filmmakers. We are working on an adventurous uh, movie called Secrets of the Lost Worlds. Will Price, big, uh, long-time movie fan, big John Carpenter fan, uh, started coming to the American South Cosmic Track about five, six years ago, and was kindly uh, abducted by Gary and Joe. I mean, uh, volunteered. Um, but yeah, we talked about Big Trouble Time. You did make sure that to follow my advice and don't read the fine print. I think I had you sign, right? Yes. Good. <laughs> you're now Swilent Green. I'm not one of us. No, no, you're one. Yeah, you're, one you're never getting us. out. One of us. So yes, we're here to talk about Big Trouble in Little China. We're here to talk about it's one of John Carpenter's best movies, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's like saying it's the best piece of chocolate. You know, it's the best. Everything is so good by him. It's my favorite movie of all time. I, I love it. Yes, it's for me the thing is number one, but this one's right behind it. But I understand it's it's so good. it's so good. I have no words. Okay, so <laughs> that's going to be a problem. Gary. Yes, it is. So as moderator, here's what I'm going to do. When did you first see it, and how? Uh, I honestly don't know for sure. Like I don't specifically recall my first time, but I do know that I rented it at Blockbuster or Movie Stop. Well, no, it couldn't have been Movie Stop. Movie Stop wasn't around yet. But uh, it's either Blockbuster or the Mom and Pop Shop uh, near my neighborhood. And how could you not grab that cover? Because the magic of, of growing up in the 80s was going into the video stores and seeing those insane covers and mm-hmm. knowing that they may not have anything to do with what's inside. <laughs> <laughs> so you look at that cover for Big Trouble in Little China, knowing that, and you're like, all right, I, I see this, and, and if I get a tenth of what's on here, I'll be happy. And you get everything. It's all crazy. It doesn't. It's madness. And uh, the first time I saw it, 
I, I will say, I did, you know, I was, I would guess I was 10 or 11. That's my guess. Uh, and I didn't get the tone. Actually, no, I would have been 11 or 12 because it came out in 86 and I was 10 in 86. So I was probably 11 or 12. Uh, and, and I didn't get the tone because there wasn't anything else like it really or not anything that I had seen. And, and it just intrigued me so much. I, I didn't, I'm not going to say I loved it at first because I didn't love it at first. But it, it was one of those movies that stuck in my head. And man, what did I just see? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy was an idiot. Why, why was he the main guy and not the cool Asian dude that knew, like, all the kung fu and shit? Why is this Jack Burton guy the main guy? Aside from the fact that he's Kurt Russell, yes. who my mother is in love with. So, yeah, that was my initial impression. Yeah. For me, actually, it's funny enough that you mentioned the box cover because... My mother was big into the Inquirer magazine, and she would get it every week. And I would flip through it because, you know, we didn't have internet in 1986. <laughs> or 84, it was 84, or 86. Yeah, so it's, 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 we didn't have internet, so you just read whatever was around. <laughs> Subtracted three. Yeah. And yeah. there's a full-page <laughs> ad of that poster. And I was like, I clipped it out, and I'm like, I must see this when I can. And I didn't get to see it in the theater, but the second it hit cable, I was all over it. And as someone who grew up through the 70s, I'm only a little older. But I was big into watching this, the, the Kung Fu Theater on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got that part of it like dead on. And I was a huge Sean Carpenter fan as well from The Thing and Halloween. And all so, I mean, I knew this was going to be in my wheelhouse. And it just always the second from the first second I saw it, I was just like, yes. I uh, sometimes feel like the oldest person in the room. I saw it in the theater and went uh-huh. went to occasionally. I went to. Okay, did you drive yourself or did someone drive you? <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I had a car that year, but I was old enough to drive myself. But probably rode in the back seat with a whole bunch of my friends. This is like the Rocky Horror Picture Show crew, and that we went to see. We, we, we like we got the thing when our parents didn't want us to watch it, which was a mistake. Um, so we so we went to go see Big Trouble in Little China in the theater. I went to Atlanta Fantasy Fair that year, and I got the, the tank top, which doesn't fit anymore. And uh, I and I still have all the the paraphernalia they were handing out. It was back in the golden days of swag when they would just hand out Big Trouble in Little China stuff at the conventions. I still have some of that stuff. So I said this in the Highlander panel that I have the most awesome mom in the world, and uh, she took me to see Big Trouble in Little China in the theater, not because I begged her to do it, but because she wanted to see it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was just blown away by the craziness, the zaniness of it. I loved kung fu movies. I, I grew up watching Bruce Lee and, and all the great kung fu masters, so kung fu theater. And uh, so it had that element. It had the mystical element. It had the beautiful women. It had uh, comedy. Comedy. Oh, so much comedy. <laughs> and, and then the weird bug eye thing. And I mean, it's just an amazing movie. And you never know what that thing really is. Yeah. Yeah, this was, um, 86 was a banner year for me because between this, Transformers, and Aliens, I mean, I was definitely like, a year, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. I think I had the second coolest mom because she dropped me off as a Saw in the theater in '86. Um, this was my first exposure to John Carpenter. I was 11 at the time, um, and of course, I was blown away. You know, everything about it. You know, but you know, like the comedy, the action, the martial arts, 
the fantasy aspects of it. You know, you had mm-hmm. gunfights, sword fights. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, neon lights crashing about. You know, you name it, you had it. Um, and then from that point forward, I was hooked on on uh, John Carpenter. Everything mm-hmm. John Carpenter made, I had to see. It was and it was easy enough because his name was front and center on every movie title. So <laughs> yeah. it was easy to find his movies. You know, here's John Carpenter's thing. Here's John Carpenter's vampires and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, this movie's easily my top five, um, and it never gets old ever. Love it. Yeah, that's a really good point too because I don't know. I don't think that this is the first John Carpenter movie I saw because I'm pretty sure I had seen at least Halloween by this point. Mm-hmm. But it's the first one that put his name in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that yeah. stuck it in there. It's yeah. like, oh, keep an eye on this. Yeah, but well, I've always been. I'll, I'll follow directors, you yeah. know, on movies, mm-hmm. and so this was one of the movies that got me going on that on that mindset. You know, yeah. because you know, oh gosh, well if he did Big Trouble in Little China, this other movie's got to be as good too. You know, and so it got me down that path. Which. Not so much, always. <laughs> yeah, my mom took me to see Halloween, so that was my first John Carpenter movie, and she also took me oh, to see The Thing. Man. She, oh, didn't, she didn't care. If she Come wanted to see mom. it, she took me to see it. That's great. <laughs> and mom here I have to say, my mom wasn't cool like yours, but my my mom was cool about it. And you want it, you're fine, but if you have nightmares, don't come crying That's exactly the, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what she said, you know. But, but yeah, I mean, and, yeah, it was, it was awful. So, it's kind of like picking some, uh, choosing your baby. What's your favorite moment? Oh, God. Uh, that, that's a really tough call. Oh, God. But I think the first full shot we see of the Chinese wild man. Yes. Uh, I absolutely love It's one of my favorite movie monsters, and the costume looks so good. The animatronic face looks so good. And it scared me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had seen some stuff by that point, but it was so odd and alien and different from any of the monsters I had seen by then. That it, I mean, that really sort of imprinted on me. And uh, I think that reveal, you know, because you see, initially, all, spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> um, okay, anyone here not seen the movie, raise your hand. <laughs> Are you, we're probably gonna get stoned. No, 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 we're not, no, no, really, honestly, we're not gonna make fun of you. You're obviously here for us to prove to you why you should see this. Are you here because, are you here because you're curious or someone dragged you? I'm curious. Okay, good. It's on my list of things to watch. Okay, good, good. We're just gonna spoil the hell out of it for you, and I'm sorry, but you should still watch it. Yeah. Um, so the first, you know, the first hint of the Chinese wild man we see is when they're going down the corridor, uh, of the, House of Ill Repute. Yes. And uh, the eyes, the, eyes pull, pop open, the, yeah. the statue pull back, and you yeah. see these crazy-looking eyes. Uh, but it's not until later in the movie that you get the full reveal, and that that when it lunges out... Well, no, it's just a couple minutes later, it lunges out and grabs, grabs Grace. Um, and, and it's... Yeah, that thing looks amazing. That was right? Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, right? That it. <laughs> okay, I think he's the actor. Um, <laughs> not a bad. Oh, that was was it? Uh, I don't know. Was it the same actor? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, okay. You're, you're not allowed to talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I, I put, I put the Chinese wild man up there with Creature from the Black Lagoon as as convincing monsters. Yes. Yeah. For me, like just. Picking a favorite moment, like I said, it's going to be hard, but 
it's the conversation between Jack and Old Bo Pan. <laughs> like, yeah, you're the, or maybe you're just a crazy person. <laughs> you are not put on this earth to get it, Mr. Button. Because <laughs> it clearly establishes both characters so well. Yes. Well, and James Hong is yeah. so oh, he's good in so both he's versions so of Old oh, Man. Yes. As, as the, you know, is he a crazy old man? <laughs> this guy. And then is the menacing, you and know. And then the eight foot tall. <laughs> so good in the movie. So, so you're, you're a demigod and you can choose whatever shape you want on the physical plane. And he chooses the creepy old guy in the wheelchair. <laughs> okay, but yeah, that's a, that's a hint right I think there. it had to be during the day he was the old man, and then at night yeah. he'd be Lopan. I think he was oh, trapped part in the, Part of the curse? Yeah, okay. it's part of the curse. Yeah. All right. So I think my I think my favorite parts of the movie really are when almost every time Jack Burton is talking. <laughs> it just, it's a lot. It's such a quotable but movie. But it is. It's such a quotable he, he does such a good job of it. Yeah. But I think my favorite Jack Burton moment is when he throws the knife and it's skitters over in the corner and he has to run and go get it and by the time he gets back everybody's on the ground and he's ready he's got the gun he's got the knife he's willing to do this yeah Uh-oh. nothing to do and he's just like it's I, I uh, okay I missed the show you know so that that was a very Jack Burton moment to me uh, obviously I was a little very little when I first watched it. So for me, the most impressionable moment was when uh, the, the three storms showed up. Oh, God. And what an entrance. Oh, my gosh. What an entrance. And it was, uh, I mean, for, for a young 13-year-old kid, it, it was crazy. A uh, quick side note. You brought up the bombs and how cool it was. When I was dropped off to see the movie, um, for whatever reason, of course, you know, I've slept since then. I don't know why. But we, I got there really, really early. So... I didn't think much about it. I got my ticket, went on in the theater. Well, the previous showing had not ended yet. Oh. oh. So the first thing I see when I walk in the theater is that very ending of the movie. Uh, where the oh, camera, where it comes up. Where the camera pans down to the back of the truck. And, yeah. pops, and then the credits roll. So that was the first thing I saw, right? I'm like, what was that? <laughs> what the hell was that? What the crap? And then credits. And then I got to wait 15 minutes and then 15 minutes more trailers. I'm like, what the hell? And of course, you know, finally an hour and a half plus later, I get to see it. I'm so it was kind of crazy. Um, it won't come out no more. <laughs> I won't come out no more. <laughs> um, I'd say probably my favorite scene is I'm with you that opening fight scene of the alley. Yeah. Um, right. Because up to that point, you know, Jack uh, he's playing with his buddies. You know, hey, let's go pick up my girlfriend. Things go wrong. Yeah. And they go down the alley, and all hell just breaks yes. loose. You know. Yeah. Uh, and and what I like about it, upon further viewing, you know, after the first time, I'm just blown away. But when you watch it again, you can pick up the little stuff. You know, the the hero of the movie, of course, isn't Jack, but the hero is like, oh, this is so-and-so, and it's a funeral, and here comes this other gang, and here comes this other gang, and oh, here comes Lopan, here comes the storm. And it's like, it's Tuesday. Like, it's nothing unusual, <laughs> yeah. you know? And Jack's just like, what? You know? Um, but What's yeah, that, going on here, Wang? Right. And here comes the gangs, and, you know, they bust out machine guns and start blowing each other away. And that whole scene was just incredible. Yeah, the, it, it, that's actually something I like to touch on. I love the, one of the things I love about this movie, and Carpenter likes to do is, he started in like in the middle of another story. 
This is a world that's been in, been in operation. It's been in action, yeah. and we're just stepping in as this latest bit of craziness breaks out. Yeah. Right. Well, we we and poor Jack Burton. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. It's just making a delivery. He's man. even more confused than we are. Oh, yeah. he wants his, but also, he wants the, his money from Wang. He wants his money from Wang. Yeah. Yeah. The, the transition from it possibly just being like a, a crime syndicate film to the, being this supernatural thriller. There's it's like a two second transition. Yeah. Which I love. Like I'm watching the movie going. Why do they have machine guns? Right, <laughs> right, and it's like, what are the machine guns for when they have the? So yeah, so there's this there's this moment where they have this cover. They're 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 crime syndicates fighting each other in the alley. But no, no, no. There's demigods involved. It breaks down very quickly. Well, I, I very often will compare and even show as a double feature, uh, Big Trouble in Little China and From Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> because they yeah, have the very same pull the rug out from under you element yeah. of like, oh, what? Wait, vampires? Oh, what? Wait, mystical Chinese demons? What? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got lightning coming out of the sky, and then there's six. Yeah, that is such oh, such a great tense moment when those gangs are facing off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chinese stand Okay. Uh, <laughs> which of that fight scene, because I feel like the fight scenes we're spending a second on. Oh, that, oh, yeah. What is your favorite, like, move, impact, whatever? Mine okay, wait, wait, wait. is the head <laughs> between the board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time. Uh, <laughs> so what, what I was going to say, which actually is part of this, is, uh, and I'm technically cheating on your question, is... Why did Lopan let him run over him with the truck? <laughs> was he? I mean, he goes right, but it was more like the big finger. Finger up. Why? Why would he? Because it's the biggest laugh of the movie when yeah. big giant Lopan the truck hits him and he goes blonk like a crash test. <laughs> that is hilarious. I, I think it's because Lopan just showing up. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Right. You run over me. I'm back up. Hey, yeah. Be with your truck, Mister Burton. Mister Lopan, would you care to comment? <laughs> so, so how how upset must Lopan be when Jack Burton goes? Okay, I ran over and moved my truck instead of like peeing himself in public. He, he didn't really freak out that much. Yeah, just a little. Because Jack, okay. uh, one of the things I love about Jack is he's not quite smart enough to be afraid. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. exactly. Exactly. He's a more bravado than Brian. Yes. Yeah. He he's clever enough to be effective when he needs to, but he's not smart enough to figure his way out of it or realize he's in over his head. I mean, more if he's clever, it's just reflex. No, he, yeah. he more like stumbles all in the reflex. He more just stumbles into yeah. effective. Yeah. yeah, he accidentally gets there. Yeah, I mean, well, let's talk about you know. Well, no, let's keep talking about the fight for a second because for me, it's when that one guy whips out the double belt of bullets <laughs> and the gun. He's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. like, where the hell did you come from? <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, I've got a staff, I've got, a, I've got a sword, I've got this, I've got guns. <laughs> it's like. It's like a Mexican bandit crossed in. It's like, wait, what? It's like Buckaroo Banzai. And, and he's the same guy from every other... Yeah. yeah. And there's actually a documentary, and I don't think it's him, but there's another main henchman there who, yeah. who was the... If you needed an Asian henchman in the 80s and 90s, yeah. he was the guy. What was his name? Yes, and there's actually a documentary out now about him. Yeah. So there's one from Die Hard that gets the snake. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, and actually, it's kind of the same one that I had was the guy just kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it when the uh, the storms made their first initial yeah. folly. You know, yeah. Oh god! Yeah. yeah, do that. Flip do that. Oh yeah. yeah. Ah. 
Wow. And 16 awesome. people fall down. Yeah, yeah. No 17 split, no spare, just full on. Oh, I rolled a 20. <laughs> How about how about the fact that they didn't even blink when they pulled the poles out from under the casket and went, okay, these are weapons. <laughs> yeah, let the body just drop. Yeah. 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 That's how real it is in little China. Is when you're having a funeral, you have to weaponize the, the casket. casket. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, I need to go shopping for a casket. Which one would you like? Well, let me get the ones with the... Uh, well, it was with the quarter stash. You never know when a game works. Do you have anything in bulletproof? <laughs> <laughs> what are you having, Kevlar? <laughs> <laughs> and again, I just love the way Wang is like, no, stay, shut up, just sit here, yeah. let it happen around us, <laughs> and we'll be okay. We <laughs> uh, had a thread of somebody. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Nobody picked the elevator scene. What's well, we're talking about the, that the one fight. Uh, we're talking about our favorite that, 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 that fight. fight. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Oh, yeah. So. The casket drops, they pull machine guns out of the casket. Yes. like they were ready for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they were burying the guns. There it is. I where I was going to go after that, but I lost the thread of it. So, in that case. A big pile of fish? Yeah, a big pile. Fish. And only in a John Carpenter movie can one of the henchmen bite the head off a fish and go to Kurt Russell. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Although that is one of my other favorite moments is when they get to that point and he opens the door like, all right, we're going to get out of here. We might be trapped. Do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about how the movie actually did? Yeah, let's let's do that because it's sad. It is sad, and and the effect that it had on John Carpenter, yeah, I, I think is sad because it it flopped. It was a bomb. People, much like myself, on the initial viewing, people didn't quite get it. Yeah, well, they didn't, they didn't understand the you know the joke or you know the play on the uh, Foo movies and stuff yeah. like that, where they had a sense of humor even in those movies. Yeah, uh, I, I I really think from where I was in Baltimore. You know, other than my buddies going with me in '86 to see it in the theater, yeah, and being in my 20s, you know, I, you know, I felt like I was the only one in the theater that was laughing at some of the jokes. Mm-hmm. Besides the sight gags that are going on. Yeah, because at the time, you know, we'd had Kung, like I said earlier, you know, the 70s, we had Kung Fu Theater, we had Bruce Lee movies, but we hadn't had the Wuxia wild, crazy martial arts that much. Mm-hmm. And, there, you know, there were people who were importing it and watching it and were getting it, but most people, all they knew is, in a Kung Fu movie, they do this, they do this, they have bad dubbing. What the hell is with these guys with the hats? Yeah. Well, and I would imagine, and I don't know, you guys might remember, how was it marketed? Because if it was Marketed yeah, as it was an marketed action as an action movie, movie. Yeah. then then that's your deal. Is people did I mean, when you're going up against Stallone and Schwarzenegger, yeah. and then you've got idiot Jack Burton, right. who is the best of them, and we all love, but. The movie-going audience of 1986, you know, go, going up against Ellen Ripley and yeah. Michael Bean. Mm-hmm. They were holding like, out for Cameron's aliens. Yeah, and, and that's kind of... Well, how, they don't know what to make of him. That's kind of how they did it, was that, I mean, they, they had Kurt Russell, you know, from Escape from New York. You know, right, right. The, the tough, you know, guy. And, and all the all the different commercial cuts were, you know, of him being, you know, tough Jack Burton. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't right. realize he was being 
in the idiot tough Jack Burton at the time. But yeah, from what I remember, the commercials it would show him shooting his gun. Yeah, but it wouldn't show the ceiling landing on his head. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Or you know, it would show him making you know the the bravado, but not the idiocy. Yeah. Around it. Yeah. The yeah. production company had no idea how to sell it as a, anything but an action movie, especially because Carp, um, Russell's career at this point, you know, like he, they, you know, Snake Plissken, yeah, and. All these other action movies you've been doing, and then wait a minute, you're doing a comedy with him? Like, because you, uh, it was one of, one of you up here who said, wait a minute, why is this guy bumbling? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was a lot of people's reaction. Yeah. And it, if it had come out, and the Carpenter had said it himself, if it had come out a few years later when people were more ready, and, and he said that, he says like half his movies come out like 10 years before yeah. they should mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's on the cutting edge. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. <laughs> And, and like, I like the way he put it when someone asked him one time. He's like, you know, you're, but you're vindicated by history. Everybody realizes this, that, you know, 10 years later, your movies are great. He goes, yeah, but that doesn't mean nothing now. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know, you had VHS that started coming out early 90s. And it wasn't as affordable. Mid, mid-90s, you had all the things coming out. And it was a little more affordable to buy a VHS. And then you have the VCR and why. Confess, I worked for Blockbuster for two years in '90 and '91. I was a, a manager, and on my favorite shift was Saturday night because people would come in and go, "All right, I got a bunch of pizza and beer, and I got friends coming over. I need a movie." And I had six or seven movies stashed behind the counter because I got those requests every Saturday night. Big Trouble in Little China was one of those. I would hand some of that movie and go, "If everyone doesn't like that movie, bring it back. I will give you a, a triple refund. You, ever, you guys will love this." Never had anybody come back on Sunday, well, or Monday or Tuesday, and say, "No, man." Big trouble. No, that was a guaranteed Saturday night hit. Yeah. Well, that's a great point as well. I think this is one of those movies where it benefits from group screening. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Watch it by yourself yeah. versus watch it with a big group of friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you can you can all enjoy it together. You know? Yeah. Because yeah. there's that moment where there's that moment where if you're by yourself, you really want to turn to somebody and go, "Is Jack Burton really that stupid?" And, <laughs> and, 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 get, get, and get that hug that you needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I can plug you for a moment. You can plug me anytime. <laughs> that was last night uh, at, at the game show. Okay, no, on your podcast when you talk about the movie and you do it with a group of people while watching the movie. Yeah. You know, if you want to have that experience, and you, I would check out his podcast, which is yeah, we did uh, we did an episode of the Needless Things podcast where we watched Big Trouble in Little China. And as you're recording, we well, we we wanted to watch it through once with sound because you have to. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't care if you've seen it a hundred times, you can't watch it with the sound off and feel right. And then we watched it again with the sound off and recorded. I don't want to call it a commentary because we're just a bunch of jackasses talking about a movie, <laughs> uh, which one of whom is right back there, uh, Red Ranger? How you doing? Hey. Um, 
But but it was just it's really fun and honestly, whether you got a podcast or not, any of you guys should sit down, put in the Blu-ray DVD, whatever. Which by the way, the Blu-ray that's currently available is gorgeous, and the effects hold up. We went in not really knowing how some of the stuff would look with a, a high def transfer, and the beholder, the Chinese wild, well, the Chinese wild name was practical anyway, but like everything looks phenomenal. But get a bunch of friends together and just sit down and talk through the movie after you've watched it through once. It was so much fun. It's one of the most fun podcasts we've done. Yeah, and part of that is because Carpenter has always been about the visuals. Yeah, he's always. That's one of his big things. Like when he did Halloween, and when they said we want you to do this movie, he's like, "Great, but I want this much budget because I'm going to spend ten thousand dollars on these cameras." He got these the, the top of the line camera for the time. So he's always been about that. So I am not surprised it holds up. And his music too. I mean, the, oh, the, the music, the music that that. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of uh, permeates throughout everything that Carpenter's Carpenter does. I mean, from the thing, Halloween, obviously, Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he just ha- com- he has a, a way to just make you feel through his music, and it's mm-hmm. it's an amazing talent. Yeah. Yeah, if I can plug something that I have nothing to do with, uh, La La Land, uh, La La Land Records. Are any of you guys familiar with them? Uh, they recently put out a two-disc set of the soundtrack, and it's every piece of music that John Carpenter wrote for Big Trouble in Little China uh, in in its entirety, including the actual. Big Trouble. My voice is gone. I'm sorry, you guys. The Big Trouble in Little China uh, rock and roll 80s song. Yeah, yeah. It's so 80s. With the very Not cheesy heard. video. Have you seen the video? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's, so <laughs> it's incredible. It's so 80s. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you. Earlier today, I was walking around and I saw the dudes in the big show Right over there? Yeah, right over there. I was like, make sure we really saw Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're awesome. Every yeah. goddamn thing, and now, man. Everyone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Bad respect, you guys. Bad respect. All right. You had a question, sir? Uh, I was going to say about the, the group watching. That's actually how I got it from my older brothers and my dad. Oh, nice. And then my dad did the thing when I was six. Like, you're watching. <laughs> okay. And he did that with all those. And we did that with my nieces and my nephews. And my mom My mom refused to let any of the grandkids come over to any of our, any of our houses now. <laughs> and the thing is, it actually is not, I, I would say, you know, maybe not an eight-year-old, but it's certainly safe for kids. Fairly safe. There's not any 11-year-olds. My, my son's eight and... He hasn't seen it yet, uh, because and this surprised me in, in rewatching stuff. There are a couple of things in it that are that are he's not quite ready for, but he has seen Army of Darkness because that's basically a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much so. I don't know that thing that comes out of the cave with all the. <laughs> Look, sometimes children need to learn terror. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the, the House of Ill Repute scene. There, yeah, okay. It's yeah. a little saucy. That's all yeah. 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 Because I saw Halloween at age like seven. So yeah, I'm a little. Don't trust me yeah. for what's safe for kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you could uh, raise a kid that ends up running a dragon contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least somebody had their hand up back there. 
Yes. Project. I'm projecting. There we go. There we go. <laughs> couldn't hear she's saying that when her she was younger her father was stationed in Korea and there they actually promoted as a comedy and it still didn't do very well but when they got onto the Air Force base or the military base then it became a hit so do you all think that uh, you know I grew up watching uh, trauma do you think Carpenter was a huge fan of that because I think he had obviously seen some of the trauma uh, you know, stuff like Toxic Adventure, you know, I could think of Kids from Newcomb High. You know, I could see aspects of that. I mean, I... I, I just think... I follow Carpenter, but I don't... I can't remember any interview that he's given what influenced him as far as directing horror or, you know, any of the things that he's directed. I'm just for, more wondering for, who you are. From what I've seen, he's just very into horror and sci-fi. I mean, I've never heard him reference trauma, and yeah. if I had to just make a guess, I would say that he is just fiercely independent, yeah. a very strong, creative individual, and that, you know, maybe he's seen trauma stuff, but yeah. I, I, yeah. I, if I had to put money on it, I'd say everything Carpenter's ever done has come out of his own head. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's... wasn't taken away yeah. from yeah. I was just wondering... You know, you know, you find out directors that you know get influenced by different things. Sure, sure. Life, and I couldn't think of anything for him that would influence yeah. him. The main Pretty thing I maybe other than Alfred Hitchcock. Right? The know, main thing I've seen. Right. Yeah, the main thing I've seen in his interviews is he was very much influenced by the 50s science mm-hmm. fiction. Uh, okay. Yeah, he was, that's stuff. why he yeah. did the thing remake. He, yeah. he, that's why he did the Children of the Damned remake. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was more his wheelhouse growing up. And speaking of trauma, I, I think that it might have been more trauma uh, trying to emulate a little bit of what Carpenter did. Oh, trauma yeah, yeah, true, so. too. Yes. I have a brief story to plug. So, the story, I'm a little older than the panel. I, I took a date to see the movie. <laughs> How'd it go? Big uh, mistake. <laughs> <laughs> In the short term, in the long term, it's good. Really? Like the whole love story with Gracie Law and Jack? I mean... <laughs> but, um, so she obviously wasn't the girl for me. But the plug, uh, for those who haven't seen it, another crazy and very funny John Carpenter movie is Dark Star. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, let, let's talk about that because let's, we haven't touched on great, anybody but Jack and Will Pan at all. But let's talk about Gracie Long. Sure. Strong character, yeah. very opinionated. Yeah. Can deliver dialogue like a mofo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I love the way she's just always burst in, take charge. She's going to do what she wants yeah. to do. Mm-hmm. You know, back talks Will Pan when she can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't you know, take any, doesn't buy any of Jack's 
Yeah. yeah. What he's selling. Yeah, like when, like when Jack comes in and says, you know, hey guys, I'm feeling like an outsider here. And she goes, you are. <laughs> that that epitomized Gracie Law for me. Yeah, not your stereotypical damsel in Yeah, fast. exactly. Yeah. And I love the fact they don't end up together. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love, you know, eventually I always say the wrong thing. Really, Jack? You? No. (laughs) I love it when she, uh, she gains consciousness, I think, the second time when she's in the headdress and she turns to the, the guard and goes, <laughs> and yeah. just knocks him off the podium. Yeah. It's not, not exactly your typical princess move. Right. <laughs> well, I got the impression as well that she's been stirring up trouble for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, she because when she sent Jack into the house of Ill Review, she made a comment in some long lines of, I'll be recognized pretty quickly and easily yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah, I know. There's so, a problem with your face. <laughs> yes. Yes. There it is. <laughs> yeah, again, that, that's that John Carpenter giving us a world that's existed and on yeah. yeah. Operation. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Burton. Let's say you show uh let's say you show someone Big Trouble in Little China for the first time and they love the movie. They want to see more stuff like it. What would be the next three movies you show them to give them a taste of like the same? Oh wow. Lardy said from Dust Till Dawn. Uh, just Tremors. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Tremors very solid. Ar- yeah. Army of Darkness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Army of Darkness. Who they are and what I think their tolerance is, dead alive. Yeah, John. Yeah, Peter. Early Peter Jackson's a good way to go. Uh, is that oh, that's not bad. Joe versus the volcano from somebody over here. That's, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. Especially because it's uh, yes. Yeah, it's somebody that. mentioned the golden child. Golden child. Yeah. Yes. Trust Kevin to blow us all out of the water. <laughs> That's a man who knows what he's about. <laughs> what about my science project? Yeah, very good. Well, and that's what's so weird to me about Big Trouble in Little China. I feel like it was a failing on the studio's part because there were so many movies in that era like that that did have yeah. that kind of weird science fiction comedy or whatever tone. Uh, that it, it feels like it fits right in with, uh, and I do feel like the studio failed it. Yeah, it, it was the one-two punch of not everybody knowing what he was, what he was paying homage to, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was caught, like you said, between it was the, this is the year the Fly remake came out, mm-hmm. Aliens came out, mm-hmm. you know, every people were like either very serious science fiction, yes, very or very serious horror, yeah. and it just it it it, it's, it was the odd man out. Okay, you and then you. Okay, so, um, yeah, I've never seen the trailer for a big trouble. So, do you know how they spun it? Um, it? Very much like an action movie. They have the trailer as a special feature on the DVD yep. usually, or you can look on YouTube. Did they play up the John Carpenter aspect of it? Just because from John Carpenter, who brought yeah. you? Right, because they say Halloween and the yeah. thing. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, his last movies before this, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Also, if they yeah. say from the director. Well, you know what? That's a good point too. If they're pushing. Halloween and the thing, then that is also creating a dissonance because yeah. it's nothing like those. Yeah. Yeah, and Starman is another one that's completely yeah. out of right. Yeah. And it's like we said, they were pushing, you know, the action hero, Kurt Russell, you know. So. It's just, it seems like a lot of movies, like you were just mentioning, coming out of that time, were playing on comedy sci-fi, and that was playing well to audiences. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if they were not writing on them. In the mm-hmm. Not at all. It also, if I'm not mistaken, it also kind of came out at the tail end of summer. Which is not a I great time right, for yeah. movies anyway. Yeah. Uh, but you and then you. 
I want to say something else too about the marketing. That's not the first time it happened. It happened with the thing. The thing actually bombed because the same studio decided to put E.T. a family friendly. <clears throat> right. Family yeah. Friendly. Well, it depends like on the later. family. They, they released it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into ET. <laughs> well, I'm, just say, I'm just saying. I'm you're right. Saying, you're right. You don't release. Yeah, yeah that, that was one of the things that, that people. Yeah. That's one of the things people said about when the thing was out is, and the reviews were, we just yeah, aliens aren't like that. They're friendly and adorable. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you bring up a good point, though. I wonder. And now we have aliens that comes out later, and then that's successful. Well, I wonder if my parents had taken me to see the thing and. Instead of E.T., if I would have been less scared. Maybe. But for those that don't know me, E.T. scared me more than any movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and, and also the same thing happened to Buckaroo Banzai. It was released uh, the same week as Revenge of the Nerds, which was a huge hit and totally sucked the life out of, out of that particular film that we all love. Yeah. It's a whole other panel, but I'm terrified about Kevin Smith's TV series about that. <laughs> but right, it's a whole other panel. Let's put a pin in there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just had the list here. It came out July 4th. Oh, July 4th. Competition okay. with Karate Kid 2, Ruthless oh. People, Back to School, Top Gun, Ferris Bueller. Oh. Oh. oh my God! Karate Kid 2, the greatest love story ever told. Oh my God! <laughs> I am a man who will fight for your honor. <laughs> Why didn't you take her to that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. A lot of choices. Yeah. Have any of you read the uh, the trade pack paperback sequel that has come out? I read uh, the comic. Yeah, I've read the from, comic. Yeah. What Dynamite? I believe. I think it was Dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to talk about that a little bit? Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't like it. <laughs> I, I will say, Carpenter was involved in the story. And, and look, I, I think well, that's the thing: is John Carpenter was involved in the story. Eric Powell, who is one of the greatest comic creators working today, uh, was on it. But man, I feel like they missed the mark yeah, horribly. Totally. And I and and here's. Here's how I justify what they did without liking it. I feel like they took an approach of, if you look at Ghostbusters and you look at real Ghostbusters, then it almost lines up with Big Trouble in Little China and then the comic follow-up. Like, tonally, it kind of makes sense if you look at it that way, but I just, I felt like they missed it. I didn't care for it. Yeah, I, I didn't get past the first issue. Yeah. The o the only thing I will give that comic is if anyone's familiar with uh, the YouTuber Taffeta Darling, who is one of the biggest big trouble, she's like right behind you for it being your favorite movie. They put her in the comic, so they should have put you in there too. Well, I, yeah, I would say she's ahead of me. Then. <laughs> so real quick, real quick, real quick, go ahead. She's quick, not on this panel though, so yes. <laughs> real quick side note from Wikipedia, so take it as you see fit. Um, 11.1 million gross in North America, below its 20 million budget. Um, the studio pushed it to be released before The Golden Child because they viewed it as being totally themed. Yeah. Um, this left proper disillusioned with Hollywood and influenced its decision to return to independent filmmaking. Since then, it has it gotten up to an average score on Tomatoes of 84%. It should be higher. And thank, you, thank you for actually following up on the question I asked like 20 minutes ago and I completely forgot about I'm it. I'm at the other end of the table. Just like, oh, All right, so you and then... Two words, eggshell. 
We've got to talk about eggs. Well, can I wait? Can I very quickly uh, give my rendition of my favorite yes. egg shen scene? So, can you translate the cursing? Because no. what was no, no, okay. Can anybody family yeah. friendly? No. Oh, you can't. I thought you. Okay. One of my. I want to know what he's cursing. I have to say though that opening sequence with Egg talking to the lawyer, Jerry Hart, yeah. really sets up the movie. Yes. Completely yeah, differently. Yeah. Well, wasn't yeah. because that, that wasn't that added in later? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Because it, it's such a different tone from the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah. until he breaks out the. You mean to tell me you believe in magic? And the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a studio influenced yeah. addition yeah. to try to market it as Jack Burton the action yeah. hero. You leave Jack Burton alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I only have one word. Wayne. <laughs> the hero. Well, was as, awesome. as I said, the guy that he is I was hero. confused as to why he wasn't yeah, the was main he, guy. But totally that was the whole point. And, and actually, speaking of Wang, let's point out that, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I often do, um, let's bring up the point oh that this movie had a massive cast of Asian Americans yeah. Yeah. in yeah. Asian American roles. Yeah. Yes. And not only, you know, we mentioned earlier how Gracie Law was a strong female protagonist. Again, John Carpenter, how how ahead of his time, how aware of culture and, and really just human decency was he to, to say, this is the way we're going to make this movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to have Kim Cattrall play this strong character. We're going, you know, we're, we're not going to cast a bunch of Hollywood actors in any of these roles except for our main idiot. Uh, we're going to have Asian Americans playing these roles mm-hmm. because the movie's freaking called Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. Yeah, I think that was an argument with the studio as well. They didn't want Kim Cattrall, they didn't want, you know, all these unmarketable Asian stars. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. But Carpenter stuck to his gun, and yeah. and it granted, it, it at the time did not pay off. But it's I, I think it's an important landmark in his career that he he made that happen mm-hmm. and he yeah. stuck yes. to it. Yeah. yeah, and you know, every single one of those characters is there are no throwaway characters like the Wang's uncle or father, I forget which he is. It's Wang's father. The owner of the restaurant. The owner of the restaurant. Right. Right. Strong, you know, we get, you know, he is a fleshed out character. He's only got five or six lines, but he's a legitimately yeah. fleshed out character. Down to the, the madam running the, the house of over Cute. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just the second that well, I'm looking for a girl with out, green eyes. You, you can see the wheels turning in your head of, oh, okay. Well, and it's what you were talking about before is that we're dropped into this existing world, and that's one of Carpenter's biggest talents is somehow he has this ability to present a pre-existing world where he's got so much shorthand storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, now granted, there's a lot of expositional dialogue in this movie, and the actors deliver it incredibly well. But even with the characters that don't get 50 lines of dialogue in 45 seconds. You get a feel for who they are, for their outlook on the world, and Carpenter, in every movie he's done, has a talent for that. Yeah, his world building is amazing. Well, I mean, yes. let's be honest, the Storms have how many lines? 
two, two. two. <laughs> and but we know exactly who each of those characters are. We yes. know their personality. We know what they're like. Mm-hmm. Three glasses if we count. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, he actually didn't even speak English. He did all his those right. lines I think you're phonetically. Right. Yeah. Wow. They just taught him phonetically, yeah. and that's why he's a little stilted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, one thing I love about it is the backstory that developed between Lo Pain and Shane. Yes. Doing this for oh, probably hundreds of years. Yeah. Like, like, I am the past. Come back to haunt you, Lo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the insult, peasant magic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm an aristocrat. Yeah. yeah. See, it always comes down to the people versus the 1%. <laughs> Well, but I, I do. I think that's an ongoing theme uh, of of Chinese history. Like, I oh, think yeah. that's a realistic, excuse me, uh, portion of the aristocracy and, and mm-hmm. the the common people. Like, I, I think there. I'm sure there's more to that than I'm aware of. But but I do believe that was a very intentional nod to that. Oh, yeah. There, there's always there's been a very big tradition of the the evil aristocrat uh, member of the government, the aristocrat. Manipulating the people or manipulating what the emperor knows, but that's I'm not a historian. Yeah, so we don't know yeah. enough to talk about that. Let's move on. Yeah, yes. I, I actually um, was going to ask if if that was uh, if Carpenter based it on like Chinese mythology. I'm sure he or, grabbed every yeah. little piece he could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you and then we'll come to you. So yes, you. Um, I, I posted about the third anniversary coming up last September in the direct competition. Great reaction from the direct competition. Anybody here like that? Thank you so much. We started with a schedule with interests there, and I was told to contact Joe about trying to get some guests in for the period of anniversary. I don't want to put people on the spot. There's all kinds of reasons for people to call the phone, but was there much effort from the higher levels to get some people in? That's above my pay grade. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> here, here's the thing, and this is just, just in general asking for guests to account. Joe and I asked. You guys ask. You guys asking weighs a lot more than Joe and my asking. If there's a big enough demand, they will get them. But it's also just a matter of if they're available, if they can make it. James Hong has been here. One of my favorite DragonCon moments is I actually walked past him in the Marriott as he was checking in. And I wasn't that jerk where we're running up, oh my god, you're But he saw me while looking at him like 15 feet away, and when I saw he was actually looking at me, I just kind of went like that and he went, <laughs> if, uh, if I can be honest, there's a little bit of heat between me and Kurt Russell because sooner or later I rub everybody the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Very meta. <laughs> you said you're going to talk about the elevator scene. Oh uh, yeah. yes, yes, that's brilliant. Yes. And just, oh no, it's the truck. Well, yeah, we've got which elevator scene? Why the one where they had just had them dropped from? Yeah. The oh, hey, I'm yeah, feeling pretty good. Yeah. This is great. I feel really good about myself. I feel great. Come with me now. Yeah. And I love that. That my friends and I used to do this all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were a bunch of dorks going like this school all the time. No, no, it's, no, it's no, not. It's one. It's one. It's one. Oh. Okay, now we have a debate. I can't, I can't do it because I messed my hand up so badly forcing it to do this over the years. I can't do anything else. You should consult a physician. I really should. I think you're fine to leave. Right? 
Okay, so we got. Well, but not like that. But the the magic of the potion is so subtle and so yeah. cool. It just it just kind of gave you this feeling like you were sort of invincible and kind of yeah. awesome. But it really didn't do anything. Well, right. well did it because it's after they take the potion that Wang and Lightning have the flying sword yeah. fight, which is amazing. Yes, <laughs> and when they have the the, 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 the and they land and Wang looks at him and gives him the. <laughs> oh, I love that. Or the jump at this weird it's angle, like, then you see them and they're like violent this. You know? <laughs> we, we, used to, we used to argue all the time about the fact that, that Wang was essentially a counterpart to the Storms. That there are a couple of hints that he is one of those people, but he's kind of like he's on the other team, essentially. Well, Wang is a lot more, or Egg is a lot more subtle than Mo Pan. Yeah. I, I feel like my take on the potion is that it was basically a really strong liquor that made you feel like you like you were saying it just made you feel confident and I do agree I think I think Wang is gifted beyond human abilities like yeah. I think that's he that's has a magical element to him yeah I mean did did anybody go into that scene and go wait a minute Wang can fly no right. I was like of course just Wang can fly at that point when you, yeah. you've already seen that that thing with all the eyes flying around at that point you you pretty much accept anything yeah, yeah. Right. it had an eyeball on its tongue yes <laughs> Oh, action is here. <laughs> yes, eventually they all just got high and felt they could conquer the world. But by the motion. The what? Uh, what? Favorite storm death. Uh, without thunder. Yeah. All right. I, thunder's great. Look, that's visually one of the best things in the movie. But when you get thrown into a giant neon Buddha, <laughs> like, that's kind of awesome. Yeah. I'm going to give that the edge. Yeah. And honestly, I don't remember who was that rain? That was that rain? Yeah, okay. that was rain. That was rain. Yeah, when you got giant neon Buddha involved, yeah. I, I'm down with that one. I feel bad how wind went. Okay, so. everything's better with John Neal. Well, and one last question from Flash Gordon. Wang is such a badass. Why did he need Jack to go with him to get the girlfriend? Because Jack wasn't letting him out of his sight until he got his money. Jack wasn't letting him out of his sight until he got his truck back. And Wang probably felt sorry for him. Yeah, come on. We need your sidekick. They are friends. I mean, and and there is, well... Are they? Yeah, they are friends. Friends that meet up every once in a while, and you know you better get your money for kind of like all your friends. We've all got that guy or girl. We've all got that one that you know. I really enjoy hanging out with you, but keep both of your hands in my sight at all times. That's good in moderation. So you were going to say? Well, no. I for some strange reason, the first three or four times I watched the film, uh, I thought that they were like old army buddies. There was some kind of, especially when he did that toast. To the U.S. military in the, yeah. right before the elevator, yeah. I was like, "Well, they were army buddies, right?" That that made that sense, sense to me. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and also the simple fact that you know Jack's a traveling guy. You figure he's probably got friends like Wang all over the country. Right, yeah. right. Everywhere. He's got you know he he rolls in in his trailer. He plays. Uh, that's the thing. Which he plays what, Domino, which is what plays into my idea of sequels every time. Yeah, yeah. Big, you know, Big Trouble in Little Calgary. Instead of Egg Shen, it's Canadian bacon. Uh, 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 that's how we're ending it. No, we're not ending it there. Uh, <laughs>
Please save us. <laughs> yes. Okay, I lied. You're uh, the last question. Uh, well, uh, when you got to the storm deaths, uh, mine was, my favorite was lightning, only because there was a, a little gag at the very end. Uh, he, he gets the, he gets that, he gets uh, the statue dropped drop on him. And all that electricity turns out, and then there's a little... A little Chinese character that appears in the lightning, yeah. and then dissipates, and I never knew what it, what it was. Anybody uh, know? It was an it, inside joke, right? It says John Carpenter. It says John Carpenter? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's a note to go out on. John, I mean, honestly, we wouldn't be that's here better. if we didn't love this movie. Yeah. I mean, we're... It's your favorite. It's in my top two or three. It's right up depending there. Depending on my yeah. mood. Yeah. yeah, it's right um, up there. In... It's, I think, in 30 more years, there are very few movies that last this long, this popular. And in 30 more years, someone else running this track will be doing the 60s. Year. Yep. Ah. I'll be sitting here. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be cosplaying as old Lopan. <laughs> <laughs> You're not put on this earth to get it, Captain Troublemaker. <laughs> as long as you hold him. <laughs> it's, all right. It's all in the Peter, can people find you? You, yes, you. Uh, you find me on Facebook and uh, roll me around Dragon Con. Yep. Transmissions from Atlantis.com and Seekers of the Lost Worlds.tv. You can find my author's page on Facebook and on Amazon. NeedlessThingsSite.com. Please do come and get a business card. Ladies and gentlemen, DragCon 2016, 30 years, big from little China. That ended up being a really fun panel, and it was my last one of the weekend, so I was pretty tired and worn down, and, and uh, you know, I was at the point where I was like, uh, do I really want to do this? Because I was well aware that we had just done our first Needless Commentary on Big Trouble in Little China back in July, and I was like, man, it's only been, it hasn't even been two months. And I, what, what more can I say about this movie? But there's something about interacting with different people in a different scenario, a different setting, uh, that brings out different things. And I, I think you'll find that this makes almost a good companion piece for that needless commentary. Uh, that you know, different things do come out, and it's it's worth uh, definitely worth being posted. And I definitely had fun doing it. Remember, visit supportphantom.com and pledge me your money uh, and your firstborn. Uh, I'm just kidding. I have no use for your firstborn. Uh, please go check it out. Spread the word. Do what you can do. Every bit helps. Don't look at it and think, ah, what, what's the point of a dollar? The point of a dollar is if everybody sees the point of a dollar, then it can change my life significantly and give me the ability to entertain you guys in new and different ways, which is what I want. What we all want, right? Because it's fun. Uh, lots of exciting stuff on the way. I am working very hard to get two particularly tricky podcasts done for you guys that I'm excited about. Uh, that I have gotten beyond the point of first contact with uh, conversation has happened and all I can really say at this point is we'll see, we'll hope but anyway, until next time supportphantom.com I love you guys thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast you're the best you can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee and of course 
It's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.